my money. Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Young money. Money, 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 money. It's the rich man's world. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is The Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or board of trustees. And good afternoon, or good or happy lunchtime for everybody. Uh, my name is Barry James Dyke, and I have uh, my handsome... Uh, Engineer here, uh, Phil Kleiger, at, and uh, Will, Will Pierce, uh, and uh, our guest, uh, Matt Carano. And uh, we're going to talk about um, uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, okay? Mm. Uh, so exciting about the show because what we're trying to do is bring honesty and transparency to, into the economic system so people can have more financial well-being, which is... Matt and I were just talking before the show, and it's kind of crazy right now. But Matthew, thank you for being here. It's awesome to see you. And we had a, a nice chat before uh, uh, the show, and um, and because uh, this is people, you know, we're trying to on the show, we're trying to bring honesty and integrity to financial matters because people are stressed out more than about money than anything else. And I, I found this in my own life. But uh, so please, you know, you're we're going to get into to the Bitcoin and crypto uh, currencies and the whole thing, but. Please tell our audience about yourself, you know, where you grew up, your background, and how you got into this business. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, so I, uh, I've mostly lived in New Hampshire for, uh, for the, the vast majority of my life I've been here. Spent a little bit of time out west, um, but uh, found my wife out there, married, and, and, uh, and, and came back to New Hampshire because the quality of new life in New Hampshire is unparalleled yeah. anywhere else in the country, really. Um, so yeah, so we you know we make this our home, um, and I live in the seacoast area because if you're going to live in New Hampshire, you might as well live in the most beautiful parts of New Hampshire, which to me is the seacoast. I think. I mean, yeah. the mountains are nice too. Not to not to bash any other areas, but but you can drive there in 20 minutes. But you so, can yeah. drive right. It's yeah. it's such a small area or a small state. Um, but uh, I've done various things throughout my life. I have a music degree, so I do a lot of music stuff. Um, but uh, very early on, I got interested in in small businesses and how to run small businesses, and and I ended up sort of on the medical side of things. I, I ran a large medical practice in, in California, um, but uh, but most recently, I I run communications for a a project called Swarm City. Yeah. And Swarm City is a it's a Ethereum based so a, a crypto project, a blockchain based project. Um, that a group of us are working on, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But how I first was introduced, well, I guess uh, there's sort of two two parts of the story of how I was first introduced to the idea of blockchain and, and Bitcoin, and then how I became really interested and involved the first time. So this first idea of blockchain technology and, and Bitcoin um, came out of a, a white paper by this uh, person. We don't know if this person is actually real or not, named Satoshi Nakamoto in uh, 2008. And not too long there, two years after, or so I saw a news program um, discussing uh, Bitcoin, and they did it from this this really underground perspective, and it, it was very intriguing to me. But I didn't understand it at all, so I just it left some questions, and it kind of rooted in my subconscious a little bit. But I let it go until sometime in 2011, um, and a friend of mine was really was really into this this technology called blockchain technology and, and Bitcoin in specific, and. 
and we just we struck up a conversation about it and as soon as he as as soon as I understood exactly what it was I was I was completely hooked uh, and I started my wife and I owned a restaurant um, at the time in Newmarket and we started accepting Bitcoin and I've been you know working in the space since then uh, at various ventures but uh, I've been doing this warm city thing for the last year that's cool that's cool so you're a small businessman which is you know uh, it's they're my heroes. I mean, that's really Thomas Jefferson's heroes. It's really the small business guy is really the people who create jobs. I mean, yeah. I think fifty percent of all new jobs are created by, uh, or ninety percent of all new jobs and fifty percent overall employed in small businesses. So that's huge. You know, so the thing is, uh, so it's, it's it's not easy running a small business. No, I mean we got we. I thought that we did a good job with our restaurant, but uh, but we got crushed and uh, and ended up. It just you know it didn't work out. And we moved on. Yeah, yeah. So you you had a restaurant, so it's brutal, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally brutal. Yeah. You know, and so uh, if you have an extra employees now, now the compliance and oh yeah, just to open like if you want to open a restaurant, the amount if you think it's going to cost you X, you should double that amount because of you don't think about all the hoops you're going to have to to go through with with the town variances you may have to get and all sorts of stuff, engineers to come in and and all sorts of things. It's it's uh it's stressful and and uh, and difficult. So yeah, anybody who's who's doing that, who's opening their small business or runs a restaurant, I have a lot of uh, a lot of appreciation for because they they go through a lot. I think it's a bl- blessed miracle every time I see someone operating and making stays a in profit. Business. Yeah. It stays in business. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just just staying in business is a feat now. Um, so anyhow, so you start saying. So what is Bitcoin and what is cryptocurrencies? Because people have been asking me. Sure. And I don't. Yeah. So, well, the, the, there are kind of two main ideas here. There's, uh, there's the, the fundamental idea is this idea of blockchain technology. And that's one thing. And blockchain technology allows the other thing, which are, are cryptocurrencies. And Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. And so to understand what Bitcoin is or what cryptocurrencies are, you, you have to kind of think about what, what the blockchain is. And so a blockchain is, um, it's going to sound simple, but it's, it's, this, it's a decentral, it's a, sorry, a, a distributed ledger. And if you can sort of picture it, um, you can, uh, one way to, to think about it is like a spreadsheet. And the spreadsheet exists that shows where a store of value is. So it says Barry has 10 bucks in his account. I have 20 bucks in my account. Phil has whatever, and it, like it just you can go down the line and you see where value is stored, and then when changes occur, meaning when value gets sent from one account to another, that updates this ledger, and it's a distributed ledger, so everybody sees the same ledger. It's you, you could download it, uh, you can have it on your computer, you can go you know you can go on the internet and find it, and so because it's this open public distributed ledger, you can really make sure that no fraud is taking place. Like it is actually as it says it is. And now the, the one kicker is now when you update this ledger, it has to be sort of difficult to do. You, you wouldn't want to just allow everybody who has access to this blockchain to go on in and say, mm, I have a thousand in my account, be able to type that in. If you did that, <laughs> that would be fraudulent. So the way that this gets updated is through the system of mining, which is uh, the uh, mining is essentially these large computers um, verify that these payments or this val- these value transactions, and it doesn't have to be money. It's any, any value transaction whatsoever. It could be information, could be goods, services, doesn't matter. If there's a ch- so these miners verify that this interaction or this transaction took place, and 
there is no other possible way for it to have gone except for, you know, this value went from this location to this location. And so it's this technology of being able to verify without any doubt whatsoever, without any fraud possibility that this value exchanged from one person to another in a public way. That's what the blockchain is. That sort of makes sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's hard for people to get their head around yeah. it. Uh, and, 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 and I feel better about it, you know, because um, there's so much hype around Bitcoin. And you can't you open up You the can't paper. avoid it now. You can't avoid it yeah. now. But um, so what really appeals to me is, you know, and I think we were talking about this uh, prior to the show, is that uh, there's an additional, like, I think the to me the beauty of Bitcoin or blockchain technology it brings back some integrity into the system, yeah. Some honesty, which we're you know, which we're really lacking. I mean, um, and and as I say, I I, I, I discussing with you, I, there's a if you go on Solari.com, it's a um, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz. She's a, she used to run the um, housing um, HUD, and uh, she did some great research done on uh, USAWatchdog.com. But it's been discovered that in addition to the $21 trillion in debt um, that the country has, there's another $21 trillion which they can't account for. Yeah. So there's no accounting. For, so so just the the base debt. So there's no accounting. So it's, and, the, and the problem, I don't mean to interrupt, but the problem is it's like in the old way of doing things, it's you have to trust some third-party authority to tell you the truth. That yeah. value is where they say it is, right? You have to trust a bank or the Fed or something to say that you know it is as as we say say it is. And there's a lot of ability for fraud to happen if you have to trust this third party. So with blockchain, what it does is it removes. You don't have to trust a third party anymore. You have to trust that the the system it has integrity. Um, that it can't be like you have to look at the code and know, or trust someone who can look at the code and know. That this, you know, this system it has integrity, um, but you don't have to trust any central authority to give you the thumbs up that all value is as they, as you say it is. Like you can, you can just look at this ledger; it shows it right there for you. Can okay. You, can you see your Bitcoin on the ledger? Yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a funny thing. And maybe so. Maybe that segues into what what Bitcoin is versus what blockchain is. Yeah. So in order for things like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin to work. You have to have this blockchain technology, but Bitcoin was the first um, cryptocurrency, which is it's a token. It's a token of exchange, and what Bitcoin can do is you can send. I can send Bitcoin from from me to anyone else in the world, from my wallet to their wallet directly, um, immediately, um, without going through a you know a third party like a, a bank or something. If you sent funds like from here to India right now, you would go through it. Would, it would take three days yeah. to get there. You go through a number of different banks. If you see like the the flow of how it all works, it's really crazy. Yeah. And it would cost you, I don't know, dozens, maybe 50 bucks. I'm not sure. But there's a, a time cost, a value cost, and all that. And you have to trust that every single party between you and the end user is not fraudulent, right? Well, with Bitcoin, you don't have to trust anybody. You just have to trust that the system is okay. And then when you send value, I can instantly send value from me to somewhere across the world um, immediately, and so uh, your question of of can I see my wallet or my value on the blockchain? Absolutely, and how it's so you may say, okay, well, how you know is that a is that a privacy issue? Well, um, what happens is the blockchain will show the wallet address of where that Bitcoin is located. 
So it doesn't necessarily like show, you know, Bob Smith of this location has this value or whatever, but it shows that the wallet, your, so yeah, you could look on, you could put the, um, you could search by your wallet address on the blockchain and see how much Bitcoin's in there, basically. Uh, so what would a wallet address be? An email address or would it just be a, a number? It's a string. It's a cryptographic string of numbers. Um, so when you look at it, it's a, and, and I think this is one of the th reasons why, you know, people are really starting to wake up to this idea of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. But it's not the most we're still at the early, early days of this. So if you, if you think back to like what the Internet was like with, you know, dial up modems and stuff, yeah, and, yeah. And whatever, the mid 90s, it was kind of a train wreck. Um, and and this, it's sort of similar to that now, even though it's, it's still getting easier and easier. But it's not the easiest thing to use Bitcoin right now. And one of the reasons is because of the way it looks. It's a. A wallet, a, a wallet address consists of two numbers. There are these huge long string of numbers. There's a public address that shows that you give to everybody that says send me value to this public address. And then there's a private address, which is a long string of numbers, that if you own that private address, it means you can spend from your account. So you by entering that public address or that private address allows you to spend value from there. If that makes do, sense. Do they have a interface on your uh, smartphone that makes it pretty easy yeah there's a number of apps that make it a lot easier uh, there's also a number of what we can we, we call exchanges um, which are just like any other currency exchanges but exchanges exist where you can go from you know fiat currency to to a Bitcoin or any number of other cryptocurrencies and so those interfaces I mean coinbase is really the big one and that interface is really friendly it looks very banky Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So that's my next question: mm -hmm. is how, you know how do you buy into that? So let's say uh, how do you had you buy you, Bitcoin. Yeah. How do you how do you buy Bitcoin? Because I'm saying, let's say you and your restaurant took it. Yeah. All right. So so let's say I go to Matt's old restaurant and um, and and I want to pay in Bitcoin. Um, I'm just trying to get my head around sure. it. So how, would I take my fiat currency or my paper dollars or electronic dollars and how would I purchase Bitcoin? How do I get? Do I use other currencies to buy Bitcoin? There are a number of ways. Um, it just depends on how much trust you want to put into a third party. So it's very easy if you wanted to buy your Bitcoin with Coinbase. It hooks up right up right to your your bank account. You know your whatever your Optima account, your Kenneth, whatever you have, and uh, you can send fiat. It, I think the, it's a wire transaction and and gets into into Coinbase and and you buy Bitcoin that way. That's that's an option. There are Bitcoin ATMs or cryptocurrency ATMs where you can go and you can you can put in fiat. It's sort of, sort of like the backward ATM, right? You put in fiat, <laughs> and um, what happens is is apps usually since these large strings of numbers are really a pain to type in. Um, there are QR codes that represent those numbers. You, are you familiar with the QR code? No, it's, no. What's a QR code? QR code is like a. It's almost like a bar. It's a barcode. Like basically, a barcode, but it's a square one. It. it you, you would know it if you saw it. You'd oh, see you know, it like, oh, oh, yeah. The things which they look like. They almost like a Rorschach, uh, like a Rorschach table. Hmm. One of those. Yeah. 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 And so if you, uh, so it's, you know, phones can scan those and read the information there. So, so these these Bitcoin ATMs or crypt or uh, cryptocurrency ATMs, you would you would put in fiat. And it would scan the QR code of your wallet on your phone, um, and so that's your wallet address, and it would send you the your your crypto right there. So that's another way. You can also buy it peer to peer, like if you you know people who have Bitcoin maybe want to spend it on goods and services. So you could do it that way. There's plenty of ways to, to to buy it, but storing it is really the question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, where do we warehouse it? I mean, so um, the so the easier ways are are with 
these exchanges like Coinbase or, or services, blockchain.info is another service, and you can keep it there like your bank, like, like your bank account, right? But if you do that, you're sort of undermining one of the fundamental, wonderful aspects of Bitcoin or blockchain technology, because you are entrusting your, your private key to that third party. Yeah. So essentially, do you really own that Bitcoin? It's like, I mean, they could, they could really send it if they wanted to. They could, they could take it from you. And they could get hacked, right? Any, I was saying this before, like, if you're, every single major company on the planet will, will get hacked eventually. They will lose their battle with hackers because if you're, if you're a big company and you store a bunch of information locally on servers, you're a honeypot. And information is value and, and money has value. So you are right. People are going to keep attacking you, attacking you. Equifax, Target, Uber, all the Anthem, Blue Cross, all these huge companies keep getting hacked. It's going to, it totally happens. So do you want to trust one of these companies like Coinbase to hold on to your Bitcoin? Well, if they get hacked, that's the problem. And anytime you hear about a hack in cryptocurrencies, it's one of these third parties that's getting hacked. It's not your individual wallet. So the safest way, but also could be slightly cumbersome for people who are not used to it, is you can you can basically save you can you can save a wallet offline. Like I can print out my QR code, send Bitcoin to that QR code, and put that that printed out QR code in my safe. And that can never be hacked. I mean, you want to maybe laminate it and protect it against yeah. the elements or something. Or there there are also digital ways of doing that too. Like I can I can encrypt folders and save my like my my bitcoin sort of private keys in encrypted folders on my computer things like that which no one could ever hack i mean you'd have to to hack that you'd have to be extremely extremely talented so there there are safe ways to do it now the the banks they mustn't be too happy about this uh uh because as you know the central banks the federal reserve Mm. um uh and then when they uh whether it be the you know the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, or the Bank of Japan, or Bank of China, or wherever the case may be, um, they have a monopoly right now in creating money out of thin air. Yep. And uh, and then they in turn deposit that money they create out of thin air into you know regular banks like J.P. Morgan or Bank of America or you know Morgan Stanley, whatever the case may be, and then they essentially multiply it again. And if it goes to the Germans, it's this all all bets are off. So, the thing is, is that how the, how they could why you're kind of you're kind of chipping away your competitor to them for, the, for their monopoly. Am totally, I yeah, that's it. And but the, so the the thing like the big secret though is really the underlying technology of Bitcoin. This blockchain technology will really disrupt most every sector on the planet. Um, and we can talk about that in a minute, but we can talk about the banks first. In and I think early on, they probably banks are still trying to discredit blockchain technology and Bitcoin. Like whenever you see some economist uh, who works for a bank or whatever on a financial show or in the press, call equating Bitcoin to a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, they are try like they are trying to put out bad press. They're trying to create public negative sentiment towards Bitcoin. And anybody who knows what a Ponzi scheme is knows that that cannot be what Bitcoin is. It's like it, they, they don't the the definitions don't don't match up. So whenever you hear things like that, you know they're just trying to to destroy credibility. And I think it's because to a certain extent they're afraid. Now on the other hand, the more tech savvy folks in the financial in, uh, financial industries 
realize the absolute potential that blockchain has to um, make their uh, to 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 make their their business way more efficient and so they know if they're so what you're seeing is all of the major companies on the planet right now are experimenting with blockchain technology because they know it can make what they're doing more efficient so on one hand i think they love the the idea of this disruption and this technology and on the, on the other hand i think they're they're also seeing that there's going to be some change happening and you know they, they could potentially lose a lot of a lot of money from that yeah, because you're you're cu- you're cutting them out of the totally, equation. Yeah, yeah. T- totally cutting them out of the equation. And um, it, what's to say now? This is uh, I think Will and I discussed the lesson. What it, what to say that the central banks couldn't come up with the uh, their own cryptocurrency? I mean, Fedcoin. They uh, could, uh, and actually, I think <clears throat> I mean they should. States should because it would. I mean, as long as the as long as the the technology was good, if it's an open source technology that people can audit, if you could see what they're doing. I think it would bring a lot more light into what the Fed does. There's so much darkness and shadow around what the Fed does. I mean, I don't know. You you probably you guys probably know way more than I do, but that's because we've read. Like you can't audit it, right? You can't audit the Fed. How can you see what's going on in there? So I so you think that's their fear is that they they don't want to be as transparent as the public demands. Totally. Yeah, and I think so. I think states should do this. If 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 a state wants its own currency, it should be on the blockchain because then you remove all the fraud from the equation. And maybe there's reasons why they don't want to remove the fraud from the equation. But if they do, I think it would be a good sign. Yeah, well, I've, yeah, because as I say, I didn't know about this really till even last night that uh, we go to Solari.com that there's an additional like 21 trillion. They have no idea. And the whole thing is if you go on Solari.com and you go to the, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a website uh, on there and um, there's a, but they, essentially there's videos where Donald Rumsfeld, this is a, ten years ago, was saying, "Yeah, we don't know what three trillion is." And, ah. You know, and um, uh, a lot of these banks they didn't know where the money the money is, and um, it's much much worse. And um, you know, <clears throat> if you're running a small business like I do, or you have, or, um, or Will has, or whatever, any, it you have to have you know incredible um, bookkeeping, if you totally. will, totally, yeah, in, in and out, <clears throat> yeah. But you know, not so you know, uh, but with the with this country now, we have all these black ops. You know, we have the, I don't know, what's the, what's the military budget now? $680 billion or something, something yeah. ridiculous. And so the thing is, is that, and so what I'm just seeing this thing last night is so there's another twenty one $598 billion. Yeah, and, and that's just, you know, this is only what we know the about. Public. Right. That's what's public, okay? We don't know what the black ops are, you know, the whole thing. And, See, even if like some of the, even if some transactions or, or some allocations of funds um, on the blockchain, if it were a state actor, even if even if you argue as a state actor, well, listen, we, we need to keep some things private because we don't want to jeopardize, yeah. you know, these people, that. right? I totally understand it, but you can at least see how much that is. Like you can know how much if it's on a blockchain, you can know how much we're allocating towards things that the public don't see but now i just i think we have no concept at all well maybe 21 trillion I don't yeah know. yeah well that's the whole thing is is that uh, ben bernanke said and if you go on the salary.com you go to the, the, the they put together these clips of it uh grayson i guess the uh from florida was asking um ben bernanke you know where uh, how much you know where did the money go and uh, i can't disclose this i can't disclose this yep. and uh bernie uh sanders uh bless his soul he essentially got the gao to do a an audit you know of how much the Fed lent out to the banks, and um, it was sixteen point one trillion. Wow! 
So, and well, what's what's the annual budget of the United States? Just for some context, uh, is it like four or five trillion? Uh, yeah, or something? something like yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's crazy, you know. And the whole thing is most of it, you know, comes off of taxes from regular old people. I, a lot of companies are starting to use this, uh, Matt. I, I've seen like I don't know, it was a BMW or some of these yep. companies now they're accepting Bitcoin for payments of goods and services. Am I, it, That's it, true. It, it's 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 gaining traction. Am I correct? I think Overstock.com was the first um, you know billion dollar company that started accepting Bitcoin itself, and and now they accept a ton of of cryptocurrencies. And that was oh maybe. Three years ago, maybe maybe even longer. Uh, Patrick Byrne is a big. Um, I don't know if I've met I've met him a couple times. Um, he's a big blockchain advocate, and uh, there are subsidiaries of Overstock.com that are working specifically on blockchain stuff. But yeah, there are uh, a lot of. Co- I mean, e gift or a ton. There uh, you can buy pretty much anything you want to buy. You can. The only the hard part is groceries around here. That's like that's the you one can thing. buy uh, Whole Foods gift cards from GYFT. Yeah, and if uh, Portsmouth would have allowed Whole Foods to come in here, <laughs> you would then have I to drive for an to hour to, go to, <laughs> yeah. to spend my my crypto. But uh, anyway, yeah, tons of, of companies. Okay, so Matt, you're working on um, an online marketplace for for this. Uh, for this currency, how would that work uh, in a practical way for us? I mean, wh- what? Uh, how are you introducing that to the public? And sure. Yeah. So, okay. So, so blockchain um, and Bitcoin was sort of the, this first iteration of being able to use the blockchain technology, and it was for transferring value, right? But the second iteration um, is called Ethereum. And what yeah, Ethereum, what is Ethereum? I hear about that all the time. Yeah, so Ethereum is, uh, I mean, it's the second highest market cap, I think, of, of both of any cryptocurrency. Bitcoin's number one. Um, but what Ethereum does is, is it allowed another layer, basically, uh, well, several layers. But one is this idea of smart contracts. And, what's, and this is genius. What smart contracts do is they allow you to program what a, an interaction is supposed to look like before you, you ever get into it. So you know before you get into an interaction that it's going to go a certain way. And let me give you an example of that. Uh, actually, I, um, Barry, we talked about this earlier. Say like a, a smart contract could say, if if Barry sends me 10 Bitcoin to this address and I verify in my app that I see it, and because it's on a blockchain, I can I can just go and see that it actually happened. And I verify in the app that, that it did in fact happen, then the smart contract will release a title, say like the title to my home, okay. to Barry, and put that onto the blockchain so everybody can see that title trans- transaction happened as well. So it's it's a very like a very um, cool way of making sure that interactions are going to go as planned before you ever get into them. So that's what a smart contract does, and so that in in combination with this with a blockchain um, makes for some really cool and powerful projects to happen, and so. One of the things is by creating marketplaces. So I work with a group called Swarm City, and what we are is a decentralized commerce platform, and I'll break that down, um, with a sort of inherent um, reputation system. And so let's. Uh, so what it does, what what people can do in Swarm City is find each other, communicate, and transact value in specific marketplaces. So say like a rideshare marketplaces okay. or a buy-sell marketplace, like an Amazon marketplace, mm-hmm. um, and do so without any middle actor. Like there's, It's almost like Amazon without Amazon involved. So it's done in a, in a decentralized way. So to give you an example, say um, 
that uh, two people, uh, there's a marketplace for pants, right? Or for yeah. coffee. Let's use okay. coffee. It's, it's cool. Okay. Okay. So uh, coffee, right? I could go into that coffee marketplace. On, on, like I would just get there in the app. I would click on the marketplace and it, maybe it's, uh, it's, you know, buy coffee is, is what it's called. I'm in this buy coffee marketplace. And I could say, oh, I want 10 pounds. Uh, I'd write in the app, oh, I want 10 pounds of uh, Brazilian beans shipped to this address. I'll pay 75 bucks. And then a vendor, someone on the other side, would be searching that marketplace for things that they can fulfill, right? For orders that they could fulfill. They would they would just be hanging out in the same marketplace that people go to to buy coffee. And they'd say, oh, yeah, I've got a ton, you know, I got thousands of pounds of Brazilian coffee. Yeah. I can fulfill this order. So they would they would see my request. They would click on it. They would answer it. They would say, oh, I'd love to do business with you. And maybe even a second person would also click on my request and say, oh, I could do that. But you know what? I, I can do it for 70 bucks instead, right? And then what I get to do is I get to choose which vendor I want to I want to go from. I, I click on them. And what happens is because this marketplace is controlled by a smart contract, it it puts escrow, it puts funds, automatically takes funds from, from me and puts it into, into escrow, into the smart contract. Just by me saying I want to do business with this person, the smart contract knows, take funds from me and put it into the smart contract. And then after the deal is done, um, I receive my coffee. I would go in the app and I would say, receive my coffee, my coffee. Everything went great. The other, the other act, the guy who's providing the coffee would say, everything went great. And then the funds would get released at that time to the, the person providing the coffee. So that smart contract that's controlling the marketplace controls the entire deal. So that's what Swarm City is, is these marketplaces. Now also, if, so the problem with, so this is decentralized commerce. That means no person in the middle. It's just code that is controlling this thing. And it's two people, me and the coffee provider interacting with no one in the middle, right? Well, the counter argument for that is how do you, isn't there a fraud? When, like how, what's to say that someone isn't going to screw someone else over, take the, take the funds, right? Um, well, or how do you know that you're going to interact with someone who's a, who's a good actor? Not like this, if it's a, you know, on the internet, like yeah. when we use Amazon, we, Amazon is essentially, we give Amazon a bunch of information and they essentially vouch for us yeah. when we do business with someone else across the world, right? You yeah. sell books yeah. on Amazon, right? Well, not anymore because of the Amazon arrangement, but yeah, I have. I have I'm sorry about that. But, but I have, you know, but no, yeah. no it is, it's, a, it's a great marketplace. Right? We all use it. Of course, right. So, so Amazon is basically vouching for the character of both parties. They're saying you have the goods you say you have. This person has the money they say they have. And I'm going to make sure that this transaction happens. But the problem with using something like, and Amazon does, does a, it's a good service or Uber, any of these like commerce platforms are all good. But the problem is they cost a lot of money to run. They, they have servers, they have employees, they've got all sorts of stuff. And so when you're doing deals in Amazon, you're probably paying 15% of the deal or so to Amazon itself, right? Yeah. Or if you do an Uber ride, if you get an Uber, 30% of your transaction is going to go to Uber itself. So that's kind of a, a large percentage of the deal that's going to this third party. And yes, they're providing some value. They're providing that, you know, these people are who they say they are. They're vouching for their reputations, but it's a lot of money. So can we vouch for each other's reputations without a third party? And so the last thing, which I find so important that these marketplaces in Swarm City does, is it is when both parties say that the deal was good, it mints, it creates reputation for each party that gets affixed to their wallet on the blockchain. So it's a fraudulent, it's a fraud proof. Um, reputation. Think of it as a point. 
So I, what happens yeah. if there is some fraud discovered in a transaction? Yeah. So the marketplace in the marketplace, instead of saying the deal went good, you say the deal went bad and you start um, you basically start a process of uh, conflict resolution and the marketplace owner would be then would look at the deal, would look at the situation and collect information and decide who was right and who was wrong in that situation. So the marketplace owner is the arbiter of that marketplace. And their goal, their job is to make sure that everything is so fair in that marketplace that people are going to want to transact there. That's their job. Because if they do a bad job, people will go to another marketplace, right? So these reputation points, or we call them tokens, if if, if you're doing a deal with someone in this coffee marketplace and you see that they have a thousand reputation points versus this other person, you had you had two offers or two two people who want to fulfill, doesn't have any reputation. And even though they're only they're five dollars cheaper, mm, you may want to stick with the person who has a ton of reputation in that marketplace. That right. sort of makes sense. Are you running a marketplace? Am I currently? Yeah. Uh, no. So we're, we we released the first marketplace in June, which was really a test to prove that decent, like these smart contracts were working okay and the decentralized process was good, but it was really clunky as heck. So our, we're going to release a second marketplace, which is a more general one. It's not specific to like a context, and that's when it gets really cool. Um, any type of deal will, will be able to happen in, in the, this next marketplace. Um, it's going to be way, like way nicer to deal with. And once we make sure that that it's working well, we will allow anybody to create their own marketplaces in Swarm City, and with a few clicks of the button, uh, I'd like to create a new marketplace. Click, and you just put in the information for that marketplace, what fee you want to charge for all the transactions in that marketplace, and then and then that's it. You've created your own marketplace. So on the web, you'd find it at SwarmCity.com. You can go to Swarm.City, mm -hmm. um, and that you'll see a a, a button that says Enter here. And you would click on that, and you can create a um, a wallet uh, address, which is a, the public and private key, like we said, um, and be able to interact through the old marketplace. Right now, it's clunky, but it works. I, I'm going to be a devil's advocate yeah, now. Yeah. Um, to me, it sounds like if I'm running drugs, okay, or I'm running arms, okay. You know, if, uh, it seems like the awesome way just to move money across borders, really, and you know, creating your own algorithm or whatever really going undisclosed am i am i incorrect in that i'm you know so in certain cases i would say so is it possible to move money or drugs in an illegal fashion using uh blockchain technology the answer is yes in swarm city what would be your incentive to do that number one um, this is all in a public ledger so even though like you can you can basically you can create a profile in Swarm City without putting like your address or your name or whatever data in, um, eventually you're going to interact with someone who knows you. Yeah. And since every transaction is trackable on this on this public ledger, it's pretty easy for law enforcement to track it back to you. So I think it would be number one a pretty stupid way to, to do that stuff. If you if you don't want to get caught, if you want to get caught, uh, people always like people equate Bitcoin to um, you know to dark markets. And for a time, you could you could sort of get away with that. But as soon as law enforcement figured out that it was a public, I mean, we all knew, but that it was a public ledger and that you could trace people back and transactions back, um, then it's it's the worst way to to you know to be a, a drug dealer or a, a weapons dealer. But you probably you could theoretically create a, a corrupt exchange. Am I is that correct? I don't know how you would do that without getting shut down by some organization, whether the SEC or or someone would shut you down. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm just wondering because I you know I'm just uh, the because uh, the SEC and you know uh, they didn't see anything about 2007 and uh, that's true you know so they were kind of useless uh, you know they were useless as a matter of fact and I, and I tell people how Lehman Brothers actually oh, yeah. the, about Lehman Brothers had 400 people uh, in 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 personality and the SEC was essentially. Um, uh, gave uh, Lehman Brothers a commendation, if you will, for a, a robust um, uh, risk management program, and, and ended up being the largest uh, bankruptcy of all time. You know, oh, that's so terrible. So for six hundred sixty billion, but um, well, so, so th- there's another way too. Like so, specifically in Swarm City with reputation, I think eventually reputation will matter so much to people that they're not going to want to associate themselves with certain marketplaces. So the reason why reputation is so important is because you because or the part the thing that makes reputation so important is the context in which you gain it right if you're so you you would gain reputation in in a bunch in any marketplace that's out there so it's it could be a you know an amazon type of buy sell marketplace or an uber one or whatever that stays with you so if you're participating in the you know the drug runner marketplace you're going to gain reputation as a drug runner and who's going to want to do business with you? like very small amount of people on the planet are going to want to do business with you you're really starting to isolate yourself if you're gaining all this reputation in bad ways okay i you have a question young will yeah um bring it so uh, normally would it, i mean uh, put my money in the bank it's uh there's CPAs work at the bank. They're licensed, hmm. educated. The bank is overseen by s- some sort of regulators, but ineffective ones. Um, <laughs> the bank has a reputation. Yeah. Um, and the Bitcoin technology, or the blockchain, um, u- uses miners who are, are ledger, electronic ledger keepers. Um, and are, do you know? Have you ever met one, or do you know who these people are? Or? Uh, I have met miners before, yeah. Uh, but so a mi- what a miner is, is um, it's a way to process payments in a decentralized way. And so what you're doing, and the miners are, miners in general in cryptocurrencies, and let's use Bitcoin as the example, are extremely important into the for the integrity of, of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And what these miners do is they use a very, very complex algorithm. They have to solve a very, very complex problem, math problem. And by solving it, it proves that only this transaction could be valid, right? And and so, because the problem that you're trying to deal deal with is this this idea of a double spend, right? You need to make it hard to verify to to prove that a certain transaction happened. Because if you make it easy, then a bunch of people could say, "I moved money." You know, you could say you could say, "I sent money here and I sent money here." You know, that you could send you could spend mm-hmm. the same amount of currency into two locations. You can't have that happen. So what these miners do is verify that these transactions have occurred. But the thing is, it's not just one miner verifying one transaction. It's the all of the miners on the planet are verifying every single transaction that's ever happened. And it gets packaged into this, these blocks of information that we call blocks, and then affixed to the blockchain. And that's that's where that, that term comes from, the blockchain. There's these blocks that they get affixed together. And by examining the blockchain, you'll see, and I don't want to get too techy because this will start, number one, I'm not a developer, but number two, it'll start to create more questions than I, mm-hmm. than I feel comfortable answering. But basically, the these blocks of information, in the header, there's a little bit of information in every single one of these blocks that proves that the preceding block is also valid. Mm. 
So it's this chain of, of proving that the entire chain is, is stable and, and uh, correct and non-fraudulent. So, so these are miners they collect a small fee or yeah so they charge uh right there's two ways so in so bitcoin works a particular way but in order to it's the mining process that brings more bitcoin into the system so uh so by mining these blocks bitcoin gets released now there's a, only a total amount of 21 million bitcoin will ever be created and i can't remember where we're at now maybe 16 or 17 million and the rest it's a uh, i don't know what parabola that is but well, it, well that's what i was, was going to ask you it's a deflationary parabola so so, is it, so they're not like the fed they can't just continue to create money no. out of thin air after 21 million it's after done. 21 million so they're at 17 yeah because i i don't know it was where did it start at six bucks or something like you said oh no but when bitcoin cents? was first mined it was it was fractions of a cent per each bitcoin yeah, okay and then i heard the summer it was cha- three thousand bucks yeah, I can't remember the exact because it, it all everything changes so well, fast in the crypto. It's about eleven thousand now. It's it's twelve thousand. Eleven thousand now. I mean, it's in the twelve thousand range now. Is, is it twelve thousand? Yeah. Is so, a, so right. So that you're what you're looking at is people are. I mean, I don't want to. I, I'm actually a little bit bearish on Bitcoin itself. Yeah. I uh, I have a problem with with uh, Bitcoin in the direction that it's going itself, but not cryptocurrencies in general. So I would never. Well, I would make recommendations on what you should or shouldn't buy anyway, but. So in the reward, so for, for solving these algorithms, um, you know, proving the sanctity of, of the, the blockchain and the, and the system, the miners get rewarded with a certain amount of Bitcoin, okay? But then once that's done, once all the Bitcoin has been mined, which is not for another 100 years, it'll, you know, then it's 21 million, then miners would charge a small fee for every single transaction that they process. That's how they would, they would be like incentivized. Trading like a stock or a bond almost at, the, at in, in theory, I see because the right because the trader itself is going to take a the, the trader. Of you know, so yeah. I, I'm just wondering: Are we seeing another uh, bubble? If you are another tulip mania in, in cryptocurrencies? I mean, it's I'm up just, so high. I mean, I mean it's just well, relative to what though is the question? It's like what is the value of blockchain technology? If you look at the value of all cryptocurrencies currently, it's something like 377 billion, but. In the grand scheme of things, how how big is that, and how can you like what is the value of this blockchain technology in general? I mean, I think it's way undervalued. I'm not saying Bitcoin's undervalued. I'm saying the idea of cryptocurrencies is way undervalued based on the the technology that's creating. Okay, well, it's it's going up in price, um, so presumably there's some. So it's going up in price for some reason. Sure. Uh, well, part of the reason I think is Wall Street is starting to take notice, and you've seen big players move into the space. And I'm, there's yeah. that, and then there's you know there's more adoption too. Uh, it's hard to know what what is what. It's well, you know, well, Matt, we can't thank you enough for being here. We'll have to My do pleasure. this again sometime. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how can people find more? How can they find more about Matt Carano? How can they find you more about you? Oh, Twitter is the easiest way. Just at Matthew Carano, M A T T H E W C A R A N O, and uh, you know you can tweet at me there or Swarm City. Swarm City. Yeah. Swarm City. But anyhow, I'm Barry James Dyke. This has been a wonderful show. We talked about uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies with Matt Carano, and uh, my psychic Will Pearson. The, my handsome engineer Phil Kleiger and we hope to do it uh, next week and so uh, thank you and uh, if you want to find any more about me go to barryjamesdyke.com and keep pushing back the frontiers, frontiers of, of ignorance. ignorance amen
This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke. Broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio. Engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at barryjamesdyke.com. Who are the warriors?